0: Join the guild and secure your ticket to Scott's sale at the best possible price by visiting MaxLawEvents.com.
1: With most people, you start losing on the scoreboard by two, three runs and start getting late in the game. And I think people these days, they have so much going on and focus and energy are waning. I think it's just really easy to give up. And that's one of the things, go back to whether it be 2006 or 2011, you know, those St. Louis Cardinal teams, they're going to fight you out until the very, very last strike. That's one of the things I'd really challenge people to ask themselves at the end of the day each day. Are you fighting it out to the very
2: end? Run your law firm the right way. The right way yeah. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Muitrex. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. Jimmy, you sound a little tired this morning. What's up? I just have a little cold. I've been fighting back. Allergies have morphed into a cold, I believe. But I'm fired up. I'm excited about our guests today.
3: I think it's going to be pretty freaking awesome. It's someone I've been working with since, I think, uh, is it March or April, Jason? March 12th. March 12th. So Jason Selk is our guest. And honestly, Jason, I could not do a good enough introduction of you to justify it. So I want you to talk a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself, and about your background.
1: Yeah, so first off, it's a pleasure to be with you all this morning. And Jim, allergies won't stand a chance against mental toughness, so you should be all right here in a few minutes. I've been really lucky in my career. I started my private practice in 2000. And I was really fortunate to start working with professional athletes right off the bat. I'm trained as a sports psychologist, got my doctorate in sports psychology and counseling. And like I said, I was just really lucky. One of my first clients was an athlete with the Houston Astros and things went really well with him. And so he passed my name around to other major league players on different teams. And then from major league baseball, I got into NFL and PGA, NASCAR, NBA, uh, all kinds of Olympic sports. There's probably not a revenue sport out there that I haven't worked with, and I've been fortunate enough to work even with a lot of the non-revenue sports. But in 2006, the Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals baseball team, I think had heard my name a few times and reached out to me and asked if I'd be willing to help them develop mental toughness with players and coaches. At that point in time, they hadn't won a World Series in 24 years. In 2006, I accepted a position as Director of Sports Psychology for the St. Louis Cardinals. And for you St. Louis fans, I think you all probably know, 2006 was their first World Series since the 80s. And then I stayed with the team for six years. My last year was 2011, where we won another World Series. So it was a great run with the Cardinals. I stepped down after that 2011 World Series title to pursue some other opportunities. I've uh, since written four best selling books. In fact, my latest book, Organize Your Team Today, was just ranked by Bloomberg as one of the top 10 leadership books in 2018. So I've had a, a really fortunate career that I've been able to work with a lot of really successful people. And I think the best thing about working with People who are already successful, people who are hungry to become successful is that what what I kind of coined the term obsession for improvement that you you got a lot of people out there who are really just kind of going with the flow. And that's not really the type of person I've worked with in my career. It's more of those people who really have that thirst for improvement. And Tyson, you know, you, you being a person I've worked with since March, I love seeing that in you as well. So I'm, I'm just glad to be here with you all this morning.
2: Jason, regular listeners of our show know that I'm a huge Cardinal fan. Last year when we had our conference, we made part of the conference going to the Cardinal game. We got a luxury box, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about that 2016. I remember they were way back in the playoff hunt come early September. Talk to us about the mental toughness it took for that team to actually make the playoffs and then talk what it was like being involved with the team during that drive to the World Series.
1: Yeah, so Jim, what year are you referring to?
2: 2006.
1: Oh, yeah. So that was my first year with the team, and you're right. We were, I think we entered the playoffs that year. Was that the year we entered the playoffs with the lowest regular season win total? Either way, that's actually my thing. Okay, I was was thinking, you know, 2011 and 2006 were both very similar seasons in that the Cardinals were huge underdogs once they got into the playoffs. And one of the things I noticed when I first started with the team they are a team, and this was very much driven by front office. I'm a huge Walt Jocketty fan, and also a huge Tony Larusa fan, a huge Dave Duncan fan. I remember, Dave was the pitching coach back then. Tony was the manager, and Walt was the general manager. Those are the the three guys that I worked most closely with when I was with the team. But they just refused to give up, and it was one of the things I was just so impressed with that you know, that team, and I've heard the quote many times now, it's hard to beat a team who refuses to quit. You know, you could say that it's hard to beat a man or a woman who refuses to quit, but that team late in the season, both 2006 and 2011, and hopefully this year will be another kind of repeat of that, That they just refuse to give up, you know, and I think with most people, you start losing on the scoreboard by two, three runs and start getting late in the game. And I think people these days, they have so much going on and focus and energy are waning. I think it's just real easy to give up. And that's one of the things, go back to whether it be 2006 or 2011, you know, those St. Louis Cardinal teams, they're going to fight you out to the very, very last strike. And after that last strike, if they still haven't won, they're going to be asking for more strikes. They're going to do everything they can, kick and scream and claw and, fight to get every opportunity there is to fight it out to the bitter end, that's one of the things I'd really challenge people to ask themselves at the end of the day each day. Are you fighting it out to the very end? You know, if if the work day ends at five o'clock, are you cutting it short at 4.53, at 3.53, at 2.53, or are you running until 5.01, 5.02, 5.04? You know, and I think in athletics, it's really easy to see those athletes who are running through the tape. Ask yourself, and it's one thing I try to do with myself is ask myself, did I run through the tape today? So Jason,
3: I've been thinking all weekend, okay, what's the first question that I'm going to ask you? Because I, I think there's so much value that you can add today in general. But I think I want to start with, when you talk about the importance of confidence and then also the difference between the perfectionist mindset and the performance mindset?
1: Yeah, so when I first started working with professional athletes, it became very quickly obvious that they wanted my help not getting too high and not getting too low, not getting too high when things were going well, not getting too low when things weren't going well. And it really didn't take long to figure out they weren't all that interested in the too high part. They didn't need all that much help with it. What they really wanted help with is not getting into the slump, you know, not letting when one bad game, start letting that get into their head to turn into multiple bad games. And I knew going through graduate school that a lot of that slump mentality came from perfectionism. You know, perfectionism is characterized and I'm sure there are going to be some people out there that can relate to this. But perfectionism is characterized as, number one, you overlook the things you're doing well. And number two, when you do something less than perfect, that's what you really zero in on. So, you know, for example, you'll, in any normal given day, you'll do a hundred things correct, hundred things really well, one thing less than perfect. And the normal person driving home, they're letting themselves really zero in and focus on that one thing less than perfect. Now, I want you to understand when you do that, first of all, it's completely normal. Unfortunately, it's also a very pure sign of mental weakness. Let me explain. Self-confidence is the number one variable for all performance. What that perfectionist mentality does is it really takes its toll on a person's self-confidence. I mean, if I'm driving home from work, just replaying all my mistakes, or if it's in the clubhouse after the game, I'm just thinking about that error or that missed opportunity and not focusing also on the things I've done well, my confidence is going to take a beating. And so what we try to do is retrain people so that instead of the perfectionist mentality, They developed something called the performance mentality. Performance mentality is characterized with, number one, individuals learn to recognize what they've done well. And again, it's completely abnormal, especially for high achievers. You know, we, we were kind of brought up to not give ourselves credit. And, you know, again, it's that whole thing driving home from work. You don't focus on the things you've done well because you think, oh, I just expect myself to do well. Well, and that's fine at the really low levels of competition, but as you start to get up into the higher and higher levels of competition, when you're not getting the pass on the back and the rewards as much as you did at the earlier levels of competition, the performance mentality becomes much more important. So again, two characteristics with the performance mentality. You learn to recognize what you've done well. So instead of driving home and only allowing your mind to focus on that mistake, you first, first force yourself to just identify or recognize. You don't have to draw a T-shirt up for yourself or call the band and get a parade going down Market Street. Just in your own head, just say, okay, hey, what, what were a couple of things I did do well today? And allow yourself just to mentally take note of two or three things you've done well. That's the first characteristic. You learn to recognize your wells, And then the second characteristic of the performance mentality is you relentlessly pursue improvement. Now, I talked about this just earlier as we got started, that obsession for improvement, which absolutely is one of the patterns of highly successful people. And I tell you, there's nobody on listening on this podcast right now that doesn't have that obsession for improvement. I absolutely guarantee that that's the facts or you wouldn't be here you have other things to do but the problem with obsession for improvement is most people this is what normal people are doing with that obsession for improvement they're trying to improve everything all the way all the time and it overloads something called channel capacity channel capacity is the biological bandwidth the human brain has and unfortunately it's very very limited what we know the magic numbers of channel capacity are three and one in working memory at any given time, we can keep three things so we can really, and, and it's that, that's not optimal. It's really kind of what our consistency over long-term three things we can manage to remember at a time. And then when it comes to improvement or growing, it's one thing at a time. You always just want to have one thing you're trying to get just a little bit better at. And if you did that on a regular basis, if, if, On a regular basis, when you were evaluating your day, instead of the perfectionist mentality, which is what I screw up on today, and that's it, if you replace it with the performance mentality, which would be, okay, what are two or three things I did well? And what's one thing tomorrow I want to get just a little bit better at? What science would tell you, and and again, I'm I'm a big research guy, so I'm, I'm always going to do my homework on what science is going to say, and then I'm going to go out and test it with all kinds of different people and all kinds of different occupations and industries and different levels, I wanna make sure if I'm gonna talk about it out loud with people, I better know what the heck I'm talking about. And I tell you, if you could learn to replace that perfectionist evaluation with a performance mentality, it will guarantee you will have an increase in your health, personal health, you'll be physically healthier, You'll be mentally healthier, emotionally healthy, so you improve your health, your happiness, and I know what most people are most concerned about these days, you're going to improve your success
2: levels. Jason, I love it. That's great advice. So after we've shifted to the performance mindset and we have celebrated our wins for the day, what should we think about when we're actually thinking as well about errors of the day or mistakes or things we could have done better?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. Again, I I know the human brain, we want to punish ourselves. We want to go to the error. And I just challenge it. Don't worry about the error as much as what's the desired improvement. Now, oftentimes, they're both very similar. They're kind of different sides of the coin that it's just one way of looking at it. Meaning, let's say yesterday, uh, one of the things I screwed up on, so yesterday being a weekend, one of the things... It was a family day. I probably should have done a little writing. I, I'm in writing phase for my next book and I probably should have invested about 30 minutes, but I, I didn't. So I could yesterday, I could focus on and say, oh man, what did I really screw up on today? I didn't get any writing done. I didn't get any writing done. But as I do that, what I'm actually doing is beating my self-confidence up even more. As opposed to looking at it through the lens of what's my error or mistake. I just really want you to learn to work on it through the lens of what do I want to improve so today and I call them success logs where some of those questions are what I do well what do I want to, what do I want to improve and how am I going to make the improvement when I got to the question what do I want to improve today it wasn't man I, I'm a total failure I didn't get any writing done it was I got to make sure I get some writing done today and I'm actually instead of doing my normal which would be 30 minutes I'm going to find a way to get 45 minutes of the writing today. So again, just once you recognize those done wells, then instead of beating yourself up, just focus on, okay, what, what do you want to do about it? What, what do you want to improve in your life today in this upcoming 24 hours? A little bit of a change in perspective, again, has a nice positive impact on developing that self-confidence and performance.
3: Jason, what do you say to people whenever they've had some success? Maybe it's not, you know, stress, fear, Success, but they've had some good success and they've started to plateau. What's your advice to those people to keep that trajectory going?
1: Yeah, and again, it kind of boils down to this channel capacity. This is one of the patterns I've seen again working with those mentally tough, really successful people out there. That highly successful people they don't get everything done in any given day. When you think about it. You work very very hard to become successful. To a level where you really have too many things on your to-do list than you can handle. I know when I first started, that wasn't the case. You know, I had one client. Now all I had to do all day was get, you know, get into the meeting with the one client and do my job with the one client. Okay, and now it's a little bit different, thankfully. I've worked very hard to get to this point, but I'm not able to ever get all of my to-dos done. And I'm guessing most people listening to this podcast right now are in the same boat. So, so again, remember. Highly successful people never get everything done in any one given day. But what they do is always get their most important activities done each and every day. And so it really boils down to prioritizing. You know, if you want to push through plateaus, it really, I believe prioritizing is the single most underrated skill. And the key there is, again, recognizing and respecting channel capacity, that you're not going to get it all done. You just really aren't. You ought to be proud of yourself for working to a position where you're not able to get it all done. Again, it took a lot of work to get to that place. But once you're there, what you want to make sure is always get your most important activities done. And one of the techniques I use for this and teach about, in fact, it's the title of my third book, Organize Tomorrow Today, that, you know, take five, 10 minutes, you probably don't even need that much time, probably even a shorter process than that. But if today, before the end of the day at some point, and you don't have to wait until the end of the day to do this. Some people do it right at lunchtime. But you think to yourself, okay, tomorrow, what are the three most important things I need to get done tomorrow? And then of the three, you want to identify the one most important. So, I want to be clear. I'm not saying three plus one. It's of the three most important activities you identify for tomorrow. What's the one absolute most important thing that's going to cause you to have that breakthrough success you're looking for? Now, if you can start each day knowing what your three most important and one must are, you're going to have a distinct advantage over the competition. And I think plateaued, although they will happen, you know, you kind of remember at times scoring comes in spurts. So, yeah, there, there will be times where you're kind of in that phase of doing the work and not seeing the immediate results. But if you stay with it 30, 60, 90 days, I'd say if you, you go 90 days, nailing your one most important and usually getting the three most important done each day. You're probably going to find plateaus don't last very long. That You find ways to keep moving it to the next level.
2: We're talking today with Jason Selk and are really excited to have him on the show and he, he coaches and trains people to perform at really high levels. And Jason, piggybacking on what you just talked about, what are some tips you have or what should our mindset be when we're thinking about saying no to people? I have a hard time saying no to people. I you know, a lot of our listeners are lawyers who have clients with very important and urgent needs. What should our mindset be when we're thinking about how to evaluate that? And and I know that you want us to focus on the one thing each day, but what are some tips on saying no?
1: That's a really, I think, relevant question, especially these days. First thing I'd tell you is if right now you're already feeling overwhelmed, which I know most people are, I'd probably try to take a list, create a list of over the course of a day, Start with a day, and then we'll, we'll kind of move it into a week. But over the course of a day, write down the things that you are putting energy and time into. And I don't mean like brushing your teeth. But you know, if you have client meetings, if you have writing, you know, in my case, I need to write, you know, what, whatever it might be, 30 to 60 minutes a day. Write down on paper. Take inventory of the daily activities. And then how much time each of those activities requires daily. And then try to extrapolate that out over a week. Okay, so I say, okay, Monday, these are the activities. And most of the activities are going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But there will be some that are just relevant to one day. So you start to take inventory over a daily and weekly basis of exactly where your time and energy is going. And then, what you want to do is with each of those, go through and try to put them in order of importance. Okay, so last time I did this, I think I had uh, roughly 23 activities that I was doing over the course of a week. And you try to go through and, and say, okay, of the 23, rank them in order. You know, And this is going to take a good 10, 15 minutes. But I think it's very, very much worth the time. And then what you start to see is, okay, those those activities down there in the 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, those ought to be really getting very, very little time and energy from me. And if they are, that's great. But if, if what you're seeing is a misrepresentation of, okay, this activity is taking up quite a bit of time and energy, and it's only you know, one of the, it's not even one of the top 15 most important things I do over the course of a week, you might want to think about saying no. Okay. So the first step, again, is you're evaluating where your time and energy are going. And in terms of relevance, what's most important, rank them all the way through. And then the the next step is you say, all right, I'd like to eliminate. And I'd say, if you're overwhelmed right now, you want to try to eliminate 10 to 20% of The things on your list, the things you're already saying yes to. And again, you probably want to start. In my case, it was, you know, 23 items. I tried to eliminate 21, 22, and 23. But let's say first step, evaluate where your time and energy are going. Second step, if right now you're feeling overwhelmed, try to eliminate somewhere between 10 and 20% of what you're currently doing. And then I think the third step, which is probably the most important, is moving forward. Make a rule to yourself that anytime somebody asks you to do something, before you say yes, you also first then identify what it is you will be saying no to. See, the truth of the matter is most people, I'd tell you probably most professional people, if not all professional people, they've overloaded their channel capacity. So if you're going to take something new on, it is now a zero-sum game. Something else will then have to not get your time, attention, focus. And you want to really be sensitive to what that is. And then it just becomes, again, the skill of prioritizing. If someone asks me to sit on a board and I know that to say yes to that, it's going to require me to say no to my wife and kids, even just four hours a year, I'm in a position now where I'm going to have to respectfully say no to that because my wife and children are more important. You know, I've gotten to a place in my life where I realized I was working too much and it was damaging relationships at home. And so I, I corrected it and I don't want to start going backwards on that. Now, again, I'm not saying don't say yes to the board. I'm saying for me, that was my experience. But a lot of that came from first, again, evaluating where my time and energy was going, I eliminated a number of the things that I was doing to try to get back a little bit more in control of my calendar, my schedule. And then now, anytime somebody asks me to do something, I always think, if I'm going to say yes to you, what or who am I saying no to? And then you prioritize and hopefully make the right decision. Jason, I really love how your book,
3: it's broken down, and and I'm talking about your, your most recent book, Organize Your Team Today. It's pretty much broken down into three different sections, consistent winning, playoff level, and then dynasty level. And I think people could probably just read the first three chapters, uh, the the consistent winning, and get a ton of value and really up up their game. One of the things you talk about is just taking the 100 seconds out of your day. And and to me, I think it's one of the most important parts of my day. Will you talk about taking the 100 seconds to get your mind right?
1: Yeah, you know, you, you hear a lot of people talk about mental toughness, and very few people, I think, know how to actually develop mental toughness. And that's one of the things I feel like I've done a really good job in my career of figuring out, first of all, okay, well, what is the most ideal, most efficient way to actually do that? You know, you think about your brain like a muscle, just like your bicep, and actually it is, and we know that, that if you want your bicep to be strong, you go to a trainer, and the trainer says, okay, do, you know, three sets of this and four sets of that and do it this often with this much weight, and if you do the exercises – you can't help but have the bicep become bigger and stronger. Well, the same is true for the brain, but very few people have actually ever learned, okay, what are those mental workouts that will cause the brain, cause the mental toughness to actually occur? And that's what the mental workout does. And it really was one of the first things I did in my career was create a five-step mental process for the professional athletes I work with. It's a three-minute and 40-second process for the business people I work with, it's only a hundred seconds, one minute and 40 seconds. Reason being, we don't have to visualize as much as the professional athlete. The professional athlete really wants to visualize more than what we in the business world need to, because they need to really start impacting muscle memory, which we know at a little bit more extensive levels of visualization, they can do that, but we don't need muscle memory. So we can really get away with one minute and 40 seconds a day. And it's a five-step process. It's outlined, actually, there's a mental workout. I've written now four books. And in each of the four, there is a mental workout. They're all a little bit different. Uh, My first book, 10-Minute Toughness, was written really for the professional athletes or the serious athletes out there, even if you're an amateur athlete, if you're really trying to put yourself in an ideal position. The mental workout in there was three minutes and 40 seconds. And then in the next three books, Executive Toughness, Organize Tomorrow Today, and Organize Your Team Today. There's a different version, but each of the three are a minute and 40 seconds long. My favorite mental workout, I must admit, is in my second book, Executive Toughness. That's the one I do. And the five steps I'll walk you through real quick. You you take a centering breath where you just breathe in for six, hold for two, breathe out for seven. And if you read any of the books, I'll walk you through the science and the why behind each of this, but we don't have, you know, 30, 45 minutes to cover it. So I'm just going to tell you the tools and pretty much what they are. And if you want to learn more about it, obviously go to any of the books and kind of look through it and you'll see the science behind each of these tools. But the first step is centering breath. You breathe in for six, you hold for two, you breathe out for seven. And then the second tool is something called an identity statement. I understand Uh, You've already talked to the listeners about identity statements, but it's really just a personal mantra of really who you want to be. So my identity statement is, I outwork the competition every day. I am the most effective performance coach and sought-after speaker in the country. I experience true love as a husband and father. So I'm really just focused on those most important things to me. It's Really, uh, like I said, identity statement or a personal mantra. And then the third tool is something called the personal highlight reel. This is where we're going to do some visualizing, so a minutes worth of visualizing. The first 30 seconds is I, I want you to visualize something called vision of self-image or who and how you want your life to be five years from now. It's a again a thirty second video where you get to be a movie producer and create a video. These are not words this is this is visualization that you create a video of what you want your life to be like, the things you want to have accomplished, the health you want to have, the condition of your relationships, whatever's most important to you. you plug it in there, and you obviously have to use some symbolism, and that's why we use the visualization piece instead of just words. but I want you to have this, really put some thought into who and how you want to be five years from now, and then it's pretty much the same vision you watch every day. So I, I will spend, again, 30 seconds looking at that place I want to be five years from now. And then the second part of the visualization is I think, okay, if I'm going to be there in five years, really, what do I need to do in the upcoming 24 hours to be aligning myself, to be forcing and pushing myself to be there in five years? And so I'll just then visualize the upcoming day really kind of the highlights from the time I wake up, what are the most important things I need to do, including what time do I need to wake up, what time do I need to be at work? How am I gonna feel? How am I gonna attack when I'm at work? What time am I gonna get home? If I'm gonna have those relationships with my wife and kids. What time do I need to be home? And coming home with the right energy. And, you know, making healthy choices, whether it be not drinking too much or not eating too much, and then getting to bed at the right time. But I'll I'll visualize the upcoming twenty four hours with some of the significant wins that I want to accomplish. That's the visualization part. Again, a minute, 30 seconds on each part. And then the fourth tool is you just, again, repeat the identity statement. I outwork the competition every day. I am the most effective performance coach and sought after speaker in the country. I experience true love as a husband and father. And then you take another centering breath, breathe in for six, hold for two, breathe out for seven. Now. If a person will do that three or four times a week, again, it's like going to the gym and doing those bicep exercises. You really can't stop your brain from becoming more focused,
2: more mentally tough. All right, Jason. So for my last question, I would love it if you could tell us what is your favorite or one of your favorite client success stories?
1: Well, I'll say this because of confidentiality. I don't get to reveal the individuals I work with. Certainly, you know, being a part of the two thousand and six and two thousand and eleven World Series, those were huge, huge wins, very, very exciting. I'd tell you, you know, probably the most important stuff, though, I-, I love sports. Don't get me wrong, it's It's really rewarding to be a part of a winning team, a very competitive by nature, that's very, very enjoyable. But it's when people take the tools and the- and the techniques that I, I work with them on, and they really make personal improvements. That's I think for me anyway more rewarding than a lot of the, you know, hey, you taught me how to improve my business by thirty percent, or I won the Cy Young, or we you know, we won a World Series, or we were part of Olympic gold medals. Again, I, I think that's that's really fun and, and very exciting. But, you know, I've had people who have Tragically lost loved ones and have used some of these tools to work through and kind of get themselves back on track and still manage to be a good father to the children they still have who are living. And I've had people who have been through divorce and it really just seemed like they were kind of crushed use some of the tools and get back on their feet, or people actually stop smoking, which I know can be a real monster for a lot of people. So you know, without naming names, I'd say this: the the you know the business success and the professional success that I've worked with people and and been fortunate enough to help be a part of with them. That's really wonderful stuff. But it's really to me the personal stuff. When you can take some of these tools and really work some of those personal issues that all of us have, that's I think to this point at least been the most rewarding for me. All right, Jason. So I want to be respectful of your
3: time, and I know we've gone a little bit over. So I want to start to wrap things up. Before so I do, want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group, join there. There's a lot of activity. Also, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. It does mean a lot to us. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week?
1: My hack of the week
2: is that I think most of our listeners should have a podcast. I have been doing some talking with some of our members, and I've been talking about podcasting and the value of being in people's ears once a week. There's nothing that can replace that. I think that it allows people to see who you truly are. And I also think, Tyson, you and I need to do a special episode on our podcast and, and the successes that we've had with it. I completely
3: agree. I think that's good advice. Although I don't like you creating more competitors for us, but that's fine. It's it's, it's good.
1: Uh, Jason, do you have a tip for us? Yeah, I think to go back to that three most important one must. <laughs> It really is a very small investment of time on a daily basis, but I tell you, you will reap huge rewards, especially over time, if on a daily basis, you'll just scratch it out on paper somewhere. Have a journal if you want. If you want to be really organized, great, but just scratch it out on paper. Every day, start the day, because the day before, you identified what your three most important activities are, and of the three, what's the one absolute most important activity that must get done each and every day. Thanks, Jason And then I've got two one is an app that
3: I found uh, if you ever have problems on your iPhone downloading and viewing zip files, there's an app called browser and it's the icon is a down arrow. So if you're looking for browser, um, just Google zip file or something like that in the App Store you'll find it it will help you view those. My other one is is and I really do mean this get organize your team today, it is a great book Um, you can get an audio book it's an actual physical hard copy of the book it's a really really good book Jason Self, Tom Bartow Tom's a great guy too they work together in their coaching and I think it's great so Jason thank you so much for coming on you gave a lot of value I think you gave away a lot of your secrets that you didn't have to give away today so thank you so much for coming on
1: Well, I appreciate you guys and listen the secrets they're not secrets I want anybody out there who can get value from them use them take them and use them
2: awesome thanks Jason thanks Jason